The following episode of Days of Thunder is brought to you as part of the Pro Wrestling Only Podcast Network. Go to ProWrestlingOnly.com to enjoy other fine podcasts, as well as match reviews, book reviews, video game reviews, and of course our forums. Let's start the show. Thunder buddies and travellers down Thunder Road, it is us, Days of Thunder, the WCW Thunder rewatch podcast that you didn't ask for, but we did anyway. Coming to you as part of the PWO Podcast Network. I'm your host, as always, your shepherd through this field of Thunder Road, Dave Ryan, and I'm joined <laughs> on the line, as I always am, by my good friend, my my confidant, my inner circle, the, uh, the, 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 oh... The, the Bradshaw to my Farouk, uh, <laughs> Stagger Lee Malone. Well, I'll just say, you are also the youngest host of the Days of Thunder podcast in history. I am. The, this is known. <laughs> I don't know why I went for Bradshaw and Farouk. I don't, I don't know. Where, um, I feel a bit punchy this I evening. Mean, I mean, the shirt's Yeah, I was just going to say, I don't want that shirt. <laughs> yeah, always pounding ass. Uh, but yeah, that was quite the intro. <laughs> I think I think it was because I've had this. We were talking in a group chat the other night about viscera. We were, and uh, because of that, I went and looked up my favorite unintentional comedy moment in WWF history, which is viscera when he was involved in a backstage brawl with the acolytes. Um, in well, I say it's a backstage brawl; it's in some sort of bar. And he runs in. I think he's got a pool cue in his hand. He runs in to get involved and he slips in the puddle of beer and falls completely down. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it's it's spectacular for a load of reasons. One, because he slipped in a puddle of beer. Uh, two, because the cameraman is of two minds whether to follow him down with the camera or to ignore it and kind of focus in on the action. And uh, Jim Ross, who is he absolutely has to comment on it and is just kind of like really trying hard not to laugh. He's like, I'm just uh, slipping that beer there. Which is right up there with his stone cold, stone cold, stone cold kind of calls for me. I, I should say, um, when, when you told me about this, and it instantly popped up on your phone as soon as you wrote in this. Yeah. Um, I, I have looked up that clip, I, I don't know how many times. Yeah, it, it is funny, to be fair. Um, but yeah, uh, how how Viscera led to us being Farouk and Bradshaw, apparently. Yeah, well, they were just in the segment, so I've been thinking about that segment a lot today, and it, it makes me giggle. So I think when I was thinking of partnerships, uh, the, the acolytes were there in the back of my head. Nothing WCW relevant at all, but uh, yeah, that's just the kind of mood I'm in this evening, trying to talk actively about anything that doesn't involve WCW Thunder. Uh, let's see how long we can keep that show on the road for. Lee, how are you this week? I'm quite good actually. Yeah, I'm in good form. Been a busy week with work and um watching a bit of wrestling here and there, but yeah, I'm I'm in good form. Looking forward to the show actually. 
Yeah, we're just after um, Survivor Series weekend. Obviously, mm-hmm. that's not in our purview. Um, I kind of enjoyed the weekend more than I thought I would. Um, I kind of... Well, like, I enjoyed the things I thought I would, but I enjoyed them more than I thought I would, you know what I mean? Um, I, I haven't gone back. I fell asleep watching Survivor Series at one point, and I haven't gone mm. back to it yet. I believe the, the men's 5-on-5-on-5 five 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 match is very good. Yeah, I mean, it starts off with maybe the dumbest moment of the whole weekend, um, but then, yeah, like, the closing stretch is, is fantastic. Mm. Um, absolutely fantastic. Um, I enjoyed I think I'm a high man on the women's Survivor Series match as well uh, a lot of people seem to not enjoy that so much but I liked it I thought it was awful uh, not as much as um, it had in a patch I think it suffered by comparison to um, the war games the war games yeah. uh, and in particular I think the, the logical inconsistencies of having people beating themselves half to death and then teaming up as Team NXT the yep. following night oh always, uh, always logical in WWE these days yeah but uh, we leave that at the door. Uh, yeah, I, I, I enjoyed the weekend for, for what it was, I guess. It, it hit exactly the, the tweet I put out before all of it started was, I want to enjoy this weekend just enough that I don't regret spending my time with it, but uh, not enough to be tempted to watch WWE TV anytime soon. And it, it really did achieve that goal. So you weren't tuning into Raw last night, eagerly anticipating the fallout? The the town hall meeting? No, I wasn't. Um, I think my uh, I listened to Pollock and Wei Ting talk about it, and that is enough for me every week. <laughs> um, yeah, my 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 week has been good as well. This is kind of we record on the last night of my my weekend per se. Uh, so it's kind of I got I got a case of the Sundays because I'm heading back to work in the morning. But uh, other than that, I think things are tip top at the moment. Oh, uh, speaking of us recording, I suppose we should mention that we're actually going to be recording kind of back to back to back to get a couple of shows. Yeah. Um, So the Christmas period is coming thick and fast and uh, we're probably going to bank a few shows together, Mm -hmm. I would say, so that we can kind of take, we we want to take Christmas off. Like I usually take Christmas off from my other podcasts. I usually like take from the middle of December to the middle of January off. But with Days of Thunder and how proud I am of us hitting every second Thursday pretty much uh, since we started, uh, I don't want to miss one. So even over the Christmas period, you'll be getting your once every two weeks edition of Thunder. Uh, in addition, we should around the start of January have a new Pick Your Poison if things go well. We need to schedule that one. Um, and myself and Lee are also talking about a potential Christmas special if we have time. But uh, you will at the very least be getting your um, your regularly scheduled programming throughout the Christmas period. But as Lee said, yeah, just be aware that we may not be up to date on the actual show for the next couple of episodes responding to your tweets. I think maybe when we go to record them, we might ask a couple of questions, get a couple of beers picked so that we have some interaction on the show. Um, but space them out over our Christmas period shows. Um, but yeah, you'll you'll know when we're back and current because we we can't help but tweet when we're recording anyway. So yeah, at WCW Thunderpod to keep up with that. Um, I I think Lee, we should just uh, head into it with our usual uh, pre Thunder feature of talking about our um, our adult beverages that we have uh, accompanying us for this episode. Uh, what are you rocking? This time, my friend. Uh, this week, I have actually something that I've never had before. It's a Brewdog, which oh. I'm not that familiar with. Uh, Brewdog Clockwork Tangerine Citrus Ooh. Session IPA. Mm. And it is very nice. I think this is something that you would really like, actually. Yeah, I do love a citrusy beer. Was this one of the ones that I know there was... Um, 
No, it wasn't that. It was the stout, wasn't it? That was recommended to us by Chris on it Twitter. It was, yeah, no, no. The, no, the Brewdog no, stout. No, I didn't see anyone recommend this one, but this was um, my lovely wife picked this one up for me. Oh, lovely! So she is she's facilitating your habit at this point. Oh yeah, for sure. Like. Yeah, she she understands that you need it to get through what you're watching. <laughs> Fair play to her. It's funny because I get the same from my partner. Like every time we're in Tesco or Dunn's, she's like, do you want to check and see if there's any weird beers? And I'm just like, I'm actually making my way through my collection of weird beers at the moment. I kind of, early on, I got so into the gimmick when we decided we were doing it that I bought loads and a couple of them went off before I got a chance to to drink them. So now I'm kind of buying them just in lots of four or five and not restock until I've drank them all. Such a waste. Such a terrible, yeah, I know, awful right? waste. I know. And one of the ones that went off was a rock shore. Devastated. Ah, that, that's just disgusting. I know. Um, so, I am trying... Uh, I've tried this brewer before, but not this particular beer, I don't think. This is why it's handy now that we're both on the Untapped app, on which I am uh, the day-to-day on Untapped. And what are you on? on I'm a, I, th- I think it's an app Malone 713. I just I haven't been using it. Yeah, I, I've been keeping up to date with my beers, recreational and professional. Um, and this time I'm going with uh, from the Brew Brewery, uh, Irish. Mm-hmm. Um, that's Brew with a Fada, B-R-U, with the little acute accent over it, for those of you who don't know what a Fada is, because you don't speak <laughs> Irish. The vast, vast majority of people, uh, even in Ireland. Um, and I'm going with their lar- lager. Um, I think I tried their pale ale on a previous episode. I, think did, I feel yeah, like because yeah. I was in once we uh, once we started um, once we started the show. I was in a real pale ale sort of phase. But the thing that won me over to it was like the guy who actually brewed it and discovered the balance on it. His name is Dave, and like it's a it, there's a big thing on the back of it about how Dave was balancing the hops and stuff like that for us. Like okay, well look, my name is all over this bottle, so it, it must be for me so, uh, and so, so you support every day of worldwide that's how I ended up with my cat um, your cat was called because, Dave yeah I was looking to adopt a cat and one of the rescues I follow on Facebook this there was this really tiny adorable ginger kitten called Dave and I was like well that's that's kind of manifest destiny sort of thing I was like that's the cat for me so I got him renamed him Hobbs because my housemates at the time were threatening to rename me Dave the Human instead of calling him Dave the Cat he was just going to be Dave and I was going to be Dave the Human so uh, yeah put paid to that and called him Hobbs instead fair enough um, not, not, because, not, after, not because of Hobbs and Jaw obviously that's what I was going to say not because of Luke Hobbs um, I'm not unhappy about the coincidence but uh, there you are um, I'm going to try this lager now see what it's like oh yeah that's quite nice the brew, brew, don't know what I, brew stuff really is quite nice. Yeah, I don't know what I compare that to. Um, hmm. It'd be like if um, if Miller wasn't shite. <laughs> That's quite a comparison. Do you know? It feels like it feels like uh, MGD would be the discount version mm. of this this lager here. It's it's quite nice. Um, there's actually something else I was going to say about it there. Oh yeah, I, I decided uh, after getting a getting a pacing over it on a previous episode from you, I was going to circumvent my problem with every time I have a bottle on this show, it seems to fizz up, uh, by decanting the bottle into a pint glass. And uh, I've gotten uh, what I call my, my Rover's Return mug. 
uh, for for our American or well for our non English and Irish friends, um, the Rover's Return is a pub in Coronation Street, a popular soap opera, and just the shape of these glasses is very reminiscent of kind of like the this the shape of beer glass you would get in a Northern English pub, um, and yeah, that that's what I'm drinking my beer out of instead of out of the bottle very unprofessionally as it fizzes over onto my desk. There was one week we finished and like my <laughs> microphone was literally stuck to the fucking desk because of it. Yeah, it, look. Even before we start recording, if Dave doesn't smack something or drop something or knock something yeah. over, it's it's a good week. Yeah, I compared my office setup when I have to record podcasts to that infamous picture of uh, Dave Meltzer in his office from that that interview he did with like Newsweek or New York Times or whatever. Like where I just have to like, it's not stacks of paper and stuff, but just like all the furniture I have to move out of the way and climb over. I'm kind of entombed in the corner, so it doesn't take much elbow swinging to <laughs> knock shit over as I'm getting ready to record. Um, right, Lee. Before we get into the, the thunder of it all, uh, you were having a little bit of fun with the Thunder Buddies on on Twitter today, um, asking the important questions as the investigative journalist you are. I was. I mean, after the the, the call for questions went so well a couple of weeks ago, I said, "Ah, sure, we put out another another kind of slightly different thing this week." Um, with this week's episode obviously being centered mostly around Sting and his will he won't he decision of what faction he's going to join. I just thought I'd ask everyone what faction they would have joined in the summertime of 1998. Would they have joined the NWO Hollywood? Would they have joined the Wolfpack? Would they have joined the Flock? Or the Four Horsemen who are kind of MIA at this moment but soon to return? Yeah. And, and how did it? how is it going so far? Like the, the poll is still live as we record. Yeah, the, the poll will be live for another day as we record. But uh, I will just check in on it right now as we speak. And as we speak at the moment, it's actually fairly tight between the top three. So we have the Wolfpack on 37%, which is not really mm-hmm. surprised that they're leading. Uh, NWO Hollywood, obviously, in last place with only 9%. Yeah. The Horsemen are second placed with 30%, and the Flock are just <laughs> behind with 24%. The Flock are actually it, extremely popular. Yeah, it's interesting that... Um, the, the way the booking is already going in WCW at this point in 1998 that people are willing to align themselves more closely with the group that doesn't currently exist than uh, than one of the ones uh, that does. Yeah, well, I mean, who wants to be the NWO back boy? Well, this is it. Uh, we we do have we've actually got some interesting replies that we'll be kind of retweeting here or there. Mm-hmm. Um, the one thing I, I I thought was very interesting about this poll is that like people aren't kind of humming and hawing about it. They're like really you know there's a real level of certainty to the responses we're getting on Twitter. Oh, pe- people um, very much have their their chosen faction, and it's it's kind of fascinating to see. Yeah, and with a speed that makes me think a lot of these people had their pick already, and we're just <laughs> almost waiting for the question to be asked. Um, but yeah, no, I appreciate that, and uh, it's always good to to hear back from the Thunder Buddies. Mm-hmm. Uh, and again, we'll we'll have plenty more questions and things like that because particularly as these shows get worse, we're going to need to rely on you guys more and more. It's, it takes a village uh, to raise a podcast, as they say. Um, let's get into it. Uh, Thunder episode eighteen, dated May twenty eighth, nineteen ninety eight, coming from Music City, Nashville, Tennessee. Um. And we kick off with a kind of cold open flashback to Nitro and Lee immediately, I don't know what the fuck's going on, um, because we went from uh, Mr. WCW Lex last Thursday to Lex is just in the Wolfpack now. 
It was that. It was that. Uh, you know the the silent movie from The Simpsons where where Homer walks into Moe's and is like scene missing. Yeah. <laughs> I love the gentleman, gentlemanly week of just something happened. You didn't see it, but now Lex is in the NWO. <laughs> yeah, or like uh, the the Arrested Development footage not found gag. Really, like I, it was really jarring, and I was worried. Now, thankfully, they did go on to explain uh, fairly early on in the show what had mm. happened. Um, but it felt to me, I was like, are we already at the stage where a thousand things have happened in one week? Um, thankfully, you know, only a couple of dozen things happened on Monday that we had to get caught up on. Yeah, um, yeah. Like this was one of the like this was an episode where a lot of stuff has happened since the last time we watched yeah. the show, and you're kind of yeah. like, oh, that's happened. Oh, oh, this has also happened. It's like, yeah, oh, okay, we're kind of out of the loop now. <laughs> Yeah, because we know there are things happening just from, not even from researching, but just from kind of like our knowledge of 98 WCW. We know what things have happened. Like it it goes uh, without saying that around this time or maybe like a week or two before this would be when Louis Spicoli died. Mm -hmm. Um, So obviously this is kicking off like, or this is the start of a very turbulent period uh, for in particular Scott Hall, one that would play out unfortunately on camera as well as off. Uh, but more on that, unfortunately, over the course of the summer. But yeah, it's um, even on screen, there is much tumult and much uh, changing of plans and and hot shotting shit. And yeah, we have this footage of Lex in the wolf pack all of a sudden and throwing the shirt to Sting. And I thought like throwing the shirt to Sting and Sting having the confused look on his face. I'm starting to think, Lee, that somebody in the WCW office that was watching Slambury thought that Sting's confused, slightly betrayed facial expression was the funniest thing they ever saw. So now they're trying to get him to do it on every show. <laughs> do you know what? I have the same thing. It's like they saw that, that, that picture to end Slambury. I was like, oh, that's money. A confused yeah. Sting. That's exactly what we need. Yeah, the confused Sting face that comes off less like, oh my God, has my friend betrayed me or what the hell is going on? Uh, and more like uh, Scooby-Doo's who, me? Yeah. Uh, kind of expression. It's like, who are um, these people in the ring with me? Why are they here? Yeah. Uh, we open the show with the, the usual lads on commentary uh, saying tonight we get Goldberg. We get, uh, the next part really excited me, match two of the Benoit Booker T best of seven series. Uh, I'm, just I'm kind sad. of sad that we missed match one. <laughs> yeah, and that we'll miss match three because it's on WCW Saturday night. And then uh, one of my favourite, but not my favourite line of the night on commentary necessarily, uh, <laughs> Shivani says, plus lots of questions and maybe some answers. That, <laughs> this is, that, that's a man that's seen this format for the show. That's a man who is starting to get beaten down <laughs> by what he sees every week. Um, I, um, I was just going to say, I must say, Lee Marshall was looking very dapper mm. in his all-black suit with his gold toy. I think he was going out for a dinner date after this one. He had really uh, scrubbed up well for this evening. Looking well was Stagger Lake. See, he wasn't, he wasn't on WCW Live for the night, so... Yeah, he wasn't just going for the uh, the, the Wendy's drive through afterwards. He was, going, he, was t- he was painting the town red that night, you can tell. He's having his pre-drinks on Thunder. Um, Tony claims that the Luger turn was one of the most historic nights in championship wrestling history, which is one of Tony Schiavone's, like... He, the man is infamous for an astonishing, astonishing claim here or there, and that is one of them. Um, we don't know if Sting will join. 
the shirt was just thrown at him. This is something that uh, both Tony and Styerly are keen to point out. We are left on a cliffhanger. We can't really uh, infer what Sting's views on the Wolfpack are. He didn't take the shirt. It was tossed at him. Um, Does Sting know what the Wolfpack is? Yeah, I mean, most people aren't sure, except that they're a group of vaguely aligned NWO men who seem cooler than the other NWO, like, and, seems to be about the mission brief. And they have a new colour. That, that's about it, like... Yeah, yeah, this ain't Joe Daddy's NWO. Um, Brain finishes this segment uh, by kind of explaining how... And he does... He, I think Brain is Brain is here to play tonight. He's, he puts over a lot of stuff really well on this show. I think it's one of his better nights on Thunder so far. Uh, and he's explaining how, like, since this happened on Monday, it's been the talk of the wrestling world. Um, and then <laughs> all three announcers suddenly quite startled by Bret Hart's music. Uh, Bret Hart, uh, Lee's favourite wrestler in the world. I mean, I, uh, I was here. quite startled by it as well, but, you know, I yeah. just couldn't leave the room because I have to watch yeah. this. Uh, maybe not startled as much as appalled um, so so Bret Hart is here to phone in a promo um, <laughs> you're not wrong no I'm really not uh, and I could tell like you know he has this face like he just has this face that like he just woke up from a nap yeah and is real like just not quite there not, not definitely not wanting to be there. That's for sure. Like, uh, like forgetting what he says for a minute. Like he says his catchphrase, and even yeah. he sounds utterly bored by it. Yeah, he's, he's like, yeah, he's. Oh, like, oh, the best there is. Yeah, it's like, oh fuck! I've started saying it. It's three <sighs> lines. Oh, I'm gonna have to finish it now. <laughs> and it's just like it's so low rent and low effort. It, yeah, it's kind of sad, but also kind of yeah. hilarious. Yeah, Brett the Nyquil Harsh takes the microphone here. <laughs> And he says, it sounds like, and it's such, this is such like, like, territory heel promo 101. It sounds like people here disappointed him. Well, I'm disappointed in you. He's just short of picking on the baseball team, like. Yeah, no one knows what it's like to be in a situation like him where he's giving everything you got for wrestling. And yeah, right, before November 1997, you could say, right, that man gave probably a little too much to professional wrestling and certainly took professional wrestling too seriously. But with a straight face in 1998, Brett, you can't be saying that you give everything to professional wrestling. You barely give anything at all. Um, He says his heart goes out to Sting for the situation he finds himself in, kind of stuck between a rock and a hard place, giving himself everything for the company uh, and seeing that he has a decision to make here. Uh, and says that Brett has the keys to his wrestling future. Uh, that was pretty much it in terms of details for the promo. I thought this was horrendous. It was awful. This was an awful way to start the show. Yeah. And I feel like, you know, I feel bad sometimes. Like, I feel like it sounds like we're just dogging on Brett, like getting really on him, like we hate him or something like that. Mm-hmm. Now, he was never my favorite wrestler of the 90s. This is another chat that the two of us have had recently. Like, I was more of a Sean guy. I was more of a Foley guy, you know, the, the, there are a lot of people I would have uh, as childhood favourite wrestlers ahead of him, but I never actively disliked him. And like, um, like Brett, Brett was my guy for a very short time, and mm. then Sean came along, or Diesel came along, or whoever else. It was just like, Brett was the guy for a little while, and I was like, yeah, but now here's something yeah. new, and this thing that's new is much, much better. Yeah. It just, it's like we said the, the the week we talked about it for a long time, where it just seems like 
as well as obviously the whole Montreal thing pretty much killing his love for the business, it just seems that the the tonal shift over to WCW, the the car crash style, the the Monday Night War style of booking, it really he seems like a man out of time. Yeah. Um, and in the worst possible way, like you can spin that man out of time stuff and get great heat or a great pop as being like a throwback or a standout in that way. But he's not parlayed it into anything remotely interesting for me. No, he really hasn't. Like we've mentioned it, he's just he, he's lost in WCW. He's just it's not even Bret Hart. It's just yeah. It's hard to say. Like it's hard to put a finger on it. It's just it's sad. Yeah, yeah, it, it truly is. Um, speaking of sad, our opening contest on Thunder this week pits Jim Powers versus the Barbarian. And the Barbarian, accompanied by the motley crew of Jimmy Hart and Hugh Morris. Um, the the reasoning for this that's given on commentary is that uh, there is anticipation that Meng will be returning uh, imminently to WCW. Uh, and as a result of this, Jimmy Hart is trying to arm him, the, him and the Barbarian with as much protection as possible and is therefore forming a faction. And apparently the number one recruit to that faction is fucking Hugh Morris. Well, I'm assuming Jimmy Hart doesn't watch anything except Saturday Night. Yeah. So th- um, this is how Hugh Morris became the number one draft for his uh, new faction. Yeah. Um, a lot of, um, like a lot of matches, I think, on this show, Lee, I don't have too much to say about it. Um, I, I, did, I did like Barb's uh, sending of the clothesline, where he just slowly staggers backwards constantly until, yeah. until he eventually it, hits the ropes. It's like the Andre cell of a clothesline. But it wasn't, it wasn't like, even that like that animated. He just kind of yeah. takes one step back slowly. Then yeah. Powers hits him again, another step back, until eventually he gets to the ropes. Yeah, Jim Powers, got to be said, fabulous Hall of Fame jobber. He is, that's true. Um, But, you know, you're against the Barbarian here. It's not going to be a classic squash, you know. Mm-hmm. I love it. You'd be a fan of a squash match as well, I'm sure, would you? Oh, of course, yeah. Who doesn't love a squash match? Love a squash match. Used to love Umaga just beating the shite out of dudes. Mm-hmm. Rusev as well, you know. Goldberg, obviously. We're big fans of Goldberg squashes around here. Just one later um, on the show, actually. Yeah. Um, but yeah, th- this wasn't a great one. Like you said, Jim Perez tries several clotheslines to little to no effect. Then, like, a weird moment where he hits a gut shot. But I, I think to pretty much everyone in the building kind of the commentators and definitely me sitting at home everyone assumed he just punched him in the dick yeah <laughs> that's, and, that's and what I think it looked like I think he may have actually punched him in the dick while trying to shoot uh, punch him in the gut um, and yeah it kind of like the crowd didn't know how to react I didn't know how to reflect this in my notes and the the, the, the commentators were at a loss to try and explain what he was after doing and then hits like maybe an all time terrible knee lift yep uh immediately after this uh he's distracted by jimmy and runs into a boot for the loss uh and the boot looked good the first time they showed it but the they did the slim jim slow-mo of it and it looked awful yeah they they really should not have slowed that down and let me just say it's not just any boot it's the boot of fear yeah the boot of fear my apologies how dare i sell the barbarian short on that one but yeah that was not a I, look, if I was tuning in uh, on a Thursday night in 1998, I would not have been um, inclined to stick around much longer. 
You know, it's lucky that if this was the opener on Monday Nitro, there would have been a massive shift over to Raw, I imagine. Yeah, um, like I, I, I'm really hoping there's not that many more Barbarian singles matches to come. Yeah, um, Tony is on the ramp then, and he's here to talk to Chris Jericho, and thank God. Um, Jericho, yeah, Jericho apologizes for the unfortunate confrontation with JJ Dillon on Monday. Uh, says it'll never happen again. <laughs> Uh, but invites him out to chat. Much like last week on Thunder, Tony alerts him that JJ is not in Nashville and he damn well knows it. Um, and Jericho goes, he's not here, just to make sure. He says, yeah, he's not here. So he gets Tony to hold his side and then proceeds to absolutely bury him. <laughs> he, he not, he's not holding his side, he's holding the conspiracy victim side, which is pointing yes. directly at Jericho as he cuts yeah. this amazing promo on JJ Little. Yeah, and as he's cutting the promo, like, just slagging JJ, no end, talking about the conspiracy around his Cruiserweight title. Hang, um, hang on, the introduction, yeah. the, the first insult he calls JJ, did you, did you yeah. get all of it? No, no, I didn't. Uh, I didn't take down much of this promo. I was kind of just, and I'll explain what I was doing during this promo, but, but you, you, you run through what he okay, says. So, he begins, he, obviously he passes the sign to his friend, and then he goes, JJ, you fat, balding, unethical, hypocritical, heathen, you have the gall to come on national TV and insult me in front of my peers, my family, and all the Jericho-holics worldwide. <laughs> and it's great because the, the, the sudden shift from, I'm really sorry, JJ, to, oh, well, he's not here, and then this tirade, is mm. it's like a light switch. It's that quick. In fucking pieces I was. Um, but the thing I was doing during this promo, were you watching Tony? He was behind the sign. Yeah, no, no. So about halfway through his insults, Tony either lowers down the sign or raises up his head and does like the eyebrow kind oh, of like. <laughs> I, I did like, not see that. Oh my God, it's amazing. I was like, what the fuck is this guy talking about? <laughs> so It's so good. I, like it's just a, it's just a little thing, and like I'm I'm obviously I, I'm a huge fan of Tony Schiavone. Mm-hmm. Um, I I never really blamed him for shall we say the degradation in the quality of his commentary as time would go on in WCW because the man had just had his love for the business just bled out of him over the years, um, and I'm a huge fan of him now on AEW Dynamite. That's a guy who deserves mm-hmm. to make money out of wrestling. I I love sure. him. He's one of my favorite play by play guys of all time. I, I, a genuinely I, I enthusiastic actually, I voice. The bit, the the show long bit with uh, Cody and the limo. I, yeah, I thought that was great. Mm. Tony is just so good and such an asset to any company. Mm-hmm. I'm glad he's back on, on TV. Uh, on TNT of all things um, but yeah Tony peeking over the sign was just absolutely brilliant um, Jericho promises that Dr. J is going to Washington on Monday and that he's going to go to his lawyers he's going to go to Congress even to the President of the United States to find the jurisprudence to reinstate his cruiserweight title and it's just such a like because you got to remember this is as we talked about before this is all happening in the background of like the Lewinsky scandal mm-hmm. so the, the idea that a heel getting heat in 1998 by saying that he's going to like strangle something through the court system to be awarded is is great. It's not lost on me. Chris Jericho is, is a marvel, and I'm so sad that there wasn't more of him on this show. And you know what? It's, an, it's only a small little thing, but he's still out there wearing a Rey Mysterio t-shirt. Yeah, still out wearing the Rey shirt. 
And uh, as he goes to finish off his promo, like he goes to sort of like finish his promo and, and take his sign back. But like there's a moment where he, he says the last couple of lines while he's helping Tony hold the sign. Like mm-hmm. he's got one hand on the sign and one hand on the mic. It's great stuff. He's posing like doing a full on pose as Tony closes off the segment. Yeah, it's great. Um, Back to the announcers and they're still scratching their heads uh, trying to, I think they do, you know, the the kind of the amount of segments that are about the Wolfpack thing from Monday I think over eggs it a little bit over the course of the two hours but I think in isolation this segment of the commentators just being completely unable to get their heads around what happened on Monday I think sells it pretty well mm-hmm. um, and rather than them having a hundred like you know like modern WWE commentators where 100% of the conversation about the Wolfpack would be happening during matches where the Wolfpack was not involved oh yeah, yeah for sure um, there was definitely still some of that on the show but they were doing the big segments of back and forth questioning what's happening um with the camera to them rather than in the middle of a match distracting everybody yeah whereas WWE is very much in the the Poochie mode of when Poochie's not on screen you talk about Poochie this this was kind of like yeah they kind of talked over um, what happened on Nitro and it kind of it made it a lot easier to digest I thought yeah for sure Um, can we just keep things recording there for a second I just Mm -hmm. want to check something I just heard uh, the dog no (laughs) yeah no need to pause around okay Sorry about that. No, apparently he was barking downstairs. I did. I didn't hear it, but I I heard Emma go downstairs to him. So it's like, so I thought she'd be asleep. I didn't know what was going on. So if he keeps barking, I might have to run down to him. But uh, we'll we'll, we'll power on anyway. Well, you you'll be happy to know that I just opened my second can of beer and it went all over me. Ah. So every, everything <laughs> that I've slagged you for in the past couple of weeks has now happened. Ah, that's karma. That's At least it wasn't on the show. Yeah. Um, right. <clears throat> Fucking all sticky. Okay. Tell you what, though, Lee, in the middle of talking about uh, the Sting and Luger situation, did you notice someone threw something at them again? No. Maybe I was kind yeah. of taking down notes, but no, I didn't notice. Yeah, this is two weeks straight where someone in the crowd has pitched something at the announcers. And like if it happens a third time, I'm gonna to have to conclude that it's just like an ornery producer is just annoying them or something. Um, yeah, like something just like a small like whether it's a pen or something bounces off the desk in between. Is it coming from uh, behind them or in front of them? Or this time, I think it was in front of them. 
Um, I don't know where it came last week because it kind of came in on top of them. The 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 drink or whatever was thrown at them. Um, but this time it was like a pen or something, and it seemed to come in from the front or the side and lands in between Tony and and Stagger Lee. It was weird. Um. We get another flashback to Nitro uh, with Giant calling out Nash and then him, Vincent and uh, Brian Adams beat Nash down. But <laughs> this was the turn. Luger just shows up with the Wolfpack already. <laughs> well, see, he runs in. He's the first out to save Nash. And yeah. Conan is trading behind. And Luger kind of jumps in with a chair and then Savage and Perfect or uh, Henning follow in. And it's kind of like Conan is vouching for Luger. Yeah, and all of a sudden, Nash, I think uh, he gets the the NWO shirt off Conan's back. Yeah, Conan takes it off, and uh, Luger is now in the Wolfpack. Yeah, and then it fast forwards to to later um, as Wolfpack Lex and Sting uh, <laughs> appear to <laughs> yeah appear to beat uh, the Giant and NWO Sting, and this is where Sting doesn't know what to do about joining the Wolfpack. Um, our next contest on Thunder, the I, I'm sure the hotly anticipated match for you, Lee, uh, British Bulldog and Jim Neidhart versus High Voltage. So I don't know if you saw, but last night when I was watching this, I put out a tweet saying, yeah. uh, "Fuck me, why, why book yeah. this match? Why? That was yeah. this match. Why did they book it, Dave? Why? Why did I, they do this?" Um, I had no idea when they were coming out for the match. I had no idea why they did it during the match. And I had no idea by the time the match concluded. Uh, it wasn't even a satisfactory enough squash to say, oh yeah, they're really heating up Neidhart and Bulldog with this one. It just was a non-entity of a match. It was very poor. Um, what is Jim, uh, like, Jim Neidhart winning matches in 1998? I don't know. And to me, for a squash match, this was like way too long for what it was I don't even think it went more than like two and a half minutes but still, it was still it too long fucking never ending <laughs> yeah it felt like it went on forever and like apart from the odd flurry um, it just was a complete squash it blew uh, Bulldog won with a power slam I really don't have anything no, more to say about say, that it's fucking awful and Jim Neuhart <laughs> should not be on TV yeah from the ridiculous to the sublime then and we have the debut I believe the WCW debut of the Wolfpack theme music yeah, and everyone is now humming it in their heads. Once you say, yeah. once you say Wolfpack music, everyone knows instantly what you're talking about. Lee, please tell me you were a fan of the Wolfpack theme. Of course. Jesus, who's not? Good man. It, it's it's definitely, would you say, top three WCW teams and, and a top all-time team as well. Top three. It's, yeah, it's definitely top three WCW. It's, it's definitely in the top ten of all time, I think. Yeah, no, I'd have to really, really think about them ranking the top ten of all time, but it's definitely in there. Yeah. Now, obviously, when it's um, a group of largely very white men coming bouncing out to this song, it's there's a little bit of it like a dad cringe to it, mm-hmm. but but not so much that it ruins it. Yeah, well, I mean, Conan is Hispanic. Yes, he, that, that is true, and he definitely pulls it off, mm-hmm. um, be, being cool enough to deserve this music. I mean, the other guy is, I mean, is kind of like, Savage you know, it had, comes... had a rap album. Yeah, he did be a man. Exactly. And let me tell you, on the list of special episodes, in the back of my head is a track-by-track review of that album. You can have a guest on with that one. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, the Wolfpack is here, and they are absolutely swaggering out. Um, 
During their entrance, I believe Stagger Lee uses a phrase somewhat similar to MC Snoop Doggy Dog Luger. I think it's MC Rapmaster Snoop Doggy Luger. Wow. That's really... He's very... Uh, niche, I know, but it's very reminiscent of the fathered head Snoopy Snoopy Dog Dog. <laughs> Shades of head creepy. Yeah. <laughs> Lee Marshall watching his Ted Crilly tapes. <laughs> oh, God. Uh, Lee Marshall actually would have been a character in Fatherhead. Oh, he absolutely would have been. He would have been one of the priests that got lost in Ireland's largest lingerie section. <laughs> um, he wouldn't have been lost, though. <laughs> he knew exactly where he was. Uh, Luger is on the microphone and he says, Sometimes in life you have to do what feels right. Points out what a decorated group uh, the Wolfpack is. Says Monday felt right. He didn't turn his back on anyone. He still respects WCW, but there's something bigger going on right now. He said he's here to plead to his friend who has been with him through thick and thin to join him and not Brett. He says Sting felt what he did, or Sting felt the same way he did on Monday, and he knows it. Uh, and the thing about this promo Lee was, if it wasn't so kind of rushed and half-assed this kind of wolfpack formation and luger turn you could actually really do a decent angle i think about stalwart wcw guys swallowing their pride to join the wolfpack for the greater good of running hogan and bischoff out of the company like that should um, that really should have been the story that like you, and you can tell that's what they think they're doing <laughs> yeah because you know? like you have these guys like blexon and um and sting that have been like the the um, I was trying to think of another word other than stalwarts, but like the lead guys for WCW, they've been out there fighting the fight constantly for the last nearly two years, and now all of a sudden, like Nash has split away, Savage has split away, and they're like, Yeah, we like these guys, we kind of always have, so let's join them. And it's like, like you said, they could have played this out over months and months till like, like Luger joins first. And then he keeps making these constant plays to Sting. And eventually Sting joins. Like, that that's fucking months-long stuff. I'm pretty yeah. sure by next week, we have Red and Black Sting. Yeah, I think so. I was actually almost half expecting that on this show, to be honest. That's how quickly I remember mm-hmm. it happening. Um, but yeah, no, but like, yeah. That, that's where the money was. The money was dragging this out. Yeah, I think... The the high like the the kind of cliff notes of what this promo sought to achieve were good, but I thought the speed at which they're having to assemble this mm-hmm. angle because they just want to get to Sting in the Wolfpack um, is poor. Uh, like you said, take a breath. Do you th- take some time? Do you think now WCW have always been locked for the age of the main eventers, and that yep. nobody knew ever broke through? Do you think these guys in ninety eight knew they were old? And that's why they were rushing through things. They were trying um, trying to get as much out of this run as possible, as quick as possible. I don't know, because, like, I don't know if a lot of the kind of guys with too much power in NWO uh, and WCW uh, behind the scenes had that kind of self-awareness. <laughs> you know, I think we're giving them entirely too much credit there. I think it was just like it's that era of they're so desperate to be ahead of WWF and WWF over on the other station at the time had just reformed like the new DX Mm -hmm. had just started a month and a half ago and they'd done the WCW invasion a couple of weeks ago 
Um, and I think they were desperate to, they, I, I think more so than the age, I think they had become a little bit aware of how stale the NWO black and white were. Mm-hmm. So it was time to very quickly make the NWO cool again. So they're like, who are two of the really popular WCW guys? Let's stick them in the NWO. Well, we can't do it like the normal NWO because that, that makes that, no that's sense. Been done and, yeah, like, it wouldn't make sense. So let's make a new NWO, sell some new t-shirts, and even though this kind of also doesn't make sense, at least it makes a bit more sense than if they just joined Hogan. Um, who, who, th- that's my read of it. I suppose who ultimately was the biggest betrayer of WCW, whereas the other two were yeah. coming in as the outsiders, it was Hogan yeah. who turned his back. Yeah, like that. that is the story I suppose they want you to, to read into, but it's mm. never quite really told either. Again, they don't tell it well. I think they had a decent idea, but in their desperation to claw back how cool against how cool DX were and what was happening over on the other channel, uh, I think they f- they they were just willing to forego some subtlety and good storytelling to get where they wanted to be. Mm. Um, our next match on the program: whew, Glacier versus Van Hammer, another from the Y. <laughs> uh, category here for us uh, but I'll tell you what Lee there was something that occurred to me during this match and maybe it's just the thunder talking that my bar has been lowered so much but like whatever about the campy gimmick like there was something to Glacier where you could have done a bit more than was ever done with them I think yeah I mean it's a cliche to say oh they should have just kind of like given him his real name and kind of like Glacier is the nickname or whatever but that yeah. that's a bit too kind of like Iceman Dean Malenko type stuff. Yeah. Um, but yeah, he was fine for nineteen ninety eight, like as a lower yeah, wrestler. Like, yeah, like his stuff looked okay. He had a decent kind of urgency about his 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 stuff. He carried himself well. Mm. I thought like he looked believably like a guy who'd kick some ass. Uh, Van Hammer, not so much. No, Van Van Hammer was just never it, was he? Yeah, Van Hammer out here with his, like, TJ Miller on the gas, looking ass, trying to, like, act like he's too cool for school. I just never, why they, never into Van why Hammer. Why they chose Van Hammer as the guy to split from the flock and be involved yeah. in everything the flock did, I don't know. Yeah, either. He's, uh, the match is dull. Um, I mean, it, Glacier, it, it stands out for Glacier doing the Rings of Saturn. Yeah, this is it. So he eventually gets Hammer in the rings of Saturn. Uh, but pretty much as he do, does that, Saturn comes out. Like, but Saturn comes out in a way that was entirely too quick for him to have seen mm-hmm. that he was doing that. Um, I think like he needed to wait a couple of seconds longer so that you could believe he was incensed by the rings of Saturn and came out. Um, he came out uh, to attack Glacier. Uh, Raven was right in tow. And as Van Hammer goes to get Saturn, uh, Raven is in and hits an even flow on Van Hammer. Oh, uh, um, I should... We should mention that uh, during the match, they mentioned on commentary that the flock was fired on yeah. Monday night. So that's why they're not ringside anymore. Mm-hmm. So th- th- Just the SWAT guys. This is the first time that the flock have been kind of disbanded. Yeah. And I believe this is a story that kind of repeats itself of a couple of times over the next year mm-hmm. or so. Oh, it's, it's, yeah, it's not the last of the flock. Yeah. That, that's for sure. Um he hits the even flow on Van Hammer. Uh, Raven begs Saturn to rejoin him, um, saying, look, you know, I, I helped you. I took care of Van Hammer here. And Saturn's saying, like, that's the point. I never asked you to help me. I don't need your help. And he goes, yeah, but I, I you know, I'm a friend. I did it without you having to ask me. 
Um, Saturn eventually reluctantly agrees to, to kind of, you know, be his mate. Uh, but kind of real trepidatious. Mm-hmm. Uh, Raven then thinks immediately he sees Mortis, so they go running after and attack a dude. It's not him. Then he goes, oh my god, there's Mortis. Saturn <laughs> attacks the other guy. It's not him either. And while he's attacking the second guy, Mortis does appear and whomps him with a sign. And once again, a man nobody knows who what he looks like is in another disguise. Well, he wasn't even disguised, was he? He was just like a, a stagehand. Yeah, and he uh, had a yeah. It wasn't the masterful disguise of the fake nose. And then after he lays out um, Raven, and everyone looks at him for about four seconds, while he fumbles to get a mortis mask out of his bum bag. Yeah, it's just really I w- awkward. <laughs> I will say they've largely done a good job of never showing his face for too long, so you can't be mm. entirely sure what he looks like. Um, I think that, whether it's intentional or not, ha- ends up being a little clever bit to this angle. I, I um, would say not. Yeah, yeah. But it is a case where, like, I know what Chris Canyon looks like. Yeah. You know, we all know with the benefit of hindsight. But at the time, you probably yourself wouldn't have been sure if mm-hmm. it was the guy, you know? Um, so that's cool. Uh, next match, Booker versus Benoit. Best of seven, round two. Rubbing the thighs at this one. Yeah, th- uh, this was good. Uh, they pointed out that Benoit is currently 1-0 and uh, this was an intense match Lee wasn't it it really was um, I was kind of surprised that they came back from break and they were in the ring that has not happened too much on this show no only a couple of times I think um, but they waste no time and I'm glad that you know they if they skip the entrances but it's more time to have a banger of a match mm-hmm. I'm happy with that result you know um, um, and the, yeah the, they're before, really going at it back and forth I was just going to say before we kind of break down the match I want to say the commentary on this from Tanay and Heenan in particular was fucking yes. brilliant this was yes, Brain, like the, the high point of the show Brain is putting over this feud huge and he talks about like he's not only breaking down how competitive these two guys mm-hmm. are in their rivalry but he's talking about different permutations of results uh, about how like you know oh god if like Benoit wins another that means like to get ahead Booker's gonna have to win three straight um, you know, and talking about how hard that would be, and Brain also talking about the the kind of logic of like if you wrestle a man seven times straight, well, one you're going to be prepared for anything, and two it's going to improve you as a wrestler because you have to come up with new shit. You know what I mean? And, and not only is that explaining why this feud is important, why you should make sure to go out your way to watch all the matches in the best of seven series, but to me as well, it's it's telling me, uh, it, it's tacitly implying that the feud is going to get more interesting. Because it's like, you know, you think, you know, match one, it's just going to be the same match seven times. But what Heenan is telling you here is that, like, by the time they get to match seven, these guys are going to be pulling shit out you've never seen. Like, even on the couple of lockups early on, I think it's Tanae that says, like, this is a a matchup that, like, started as mutual respect between, like, two guys. And as they've, like, got together more and more, the respect has kind of dissipated and now it's just yeah. it's building towards hatred that by the time yeah. you get to match seven and you know there's going to be a match seven that mm. these two are just going to want to fucking tear each other apart yeah and we've gotten to the point as well now where he's not outright heel but like Benoit's definitely working, working subtle heel because you know they've picked mm-hmm. up that Booker is the more popular guy here um, so he's definitely working more so heel but I love Lee, uh, just how closely matched these guys are like not neither one of them is is ever really on top for that long in this match without the other guy uh, coming up with an interesting counter or kind of just rallying back through sheer force of will this is how you book 
but both guys come out looking like fucking stars. Like this, like you say, neither guy had sustained offense. Like I think uh, Benoit had Booker in a, in a couple of submissions at one point, but like yeah. other than that, like it's constant back and forward, back and forward. One guy has the advantage, the other takes over. Like it's a reversal here, or like a go behind on a German suplex, or a fucking quick drop kick. Like it's just constant where you don't know who's gonna come out on top. Yeah, Benoit also hits one of the more snug diving headbutts of his career in this match, I will say, in the closing stretch. Uh, Another thing that's great on the commentary during this one is how Brain points out there hasn't been much outside brawling in this one, and that's because they don't want to risk a count-out loss costing Mm -hmm. them in the series. Such a great little bit of reason. Just a little thing, a little nugget, that when you pick up on it, you're like, shit, yeah. like It makes total sense that these guys... Yeah. neither the monster drop a single fall in this series yeah. and it also makes you then as a fan at home more tense if mm-hmm. one of them does go outside the ring because you're like shit a count out would count against them in the yeah. series and I'll, I'll almost be uh, disappointed if one of these matches isn't a count out now yeah um, be- uh, Booker attempts a Harlem sidekick his first of the match but in a really interesting counter to it Benoit just low bridges the ropes and hangs him up on mm-hmm. them um, I, I, I thought that was I almost thought that was fuck up at one point and then I kind of watched it again and I was like I actually think that was the planned spot like the way you see like Benoit hangs onto the ropes he sent Booker obviously sends him into the ropes and instead of obviously coming back Benoit hangs on and he kind of he motions like he's going to keep going so Booker comes towards him and kind of has to like half step again which throws him off and I, I think that was the intended spot like yeah yeah no I, I believe it was and like I think it's that we're we're so conditioned to seeing guys who like do the low bridge mm-hmm. when the guy is still like halfway across the ring, yeah. but like doing it so close to when he actually hit him is just it kind of throws us off. Yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, he he hangs him up on the ropes, hits a German, and then just starts stomping the piss out of him. Um, Which is again Booker... another little subtle thing that Benoit is the one getting frustrated here, not Booker. Mm. Booker would attempt a second. Uh, Harlem sidekick but uh, obviously Benoit with his wits still about him uh, has that move well scouted mm-hmm. so it takes the third time of asking uh, a couple minutes later when, when Benoit is it. sufficiently worn down and he finally hits it and once he hits the big move he goes straight for the missile drop kick and ties it 1-1 um, oh, yeah love this match one one other move um, Benoit had been kind of getting a bit of momentum going and Booker comes back with the Harlem side guard um, what's the 110 shoot slam the spine buster yeah and fuck me the velocity on this and the, the crowd lose their shit for this like this was like you talk about momentum change and that that was the move that kind of turned the whole match and, yeah, and it, he... it even felt like it when you're watching it, it was one day you're like oh shit this is it like this, this is the turnaround Absolutely laid that spine buster in, that's for sure. Uh, after the match, we have Tony with Benoit. Benoit, uh, I, I really, like, for Benoit especially, like, obviously not the greatest delivery in the world, but in terms of, again, the content of what he was saying, I think very good promo mm-hmm. because he says, he says, Booker has unquestionable talent, so he's putting him right over there. 
But what he says is he doubts Booker has the heart or the guts. And by the end of the series, he'll find out why they call him the Crippler. So he's not saying that Booker is a joker and I thought he's saying Booker is an incredible wrestler, but he doesn't know if he has the heart or guts. And he's not even saying he definitely doesn't. It's kind of like, we'll see by the end of this yeah. series if the valiant babyface has the heart or the guts to hang with me. It's like he's questioning his ability to keep up for seven matches. Yeah. Um, I, and you know what? We've been over the whole thing with Benoit. His intensity in just that that little snippet of an interview, and I can't yeah. help but get drawn into it. I just can't. Yeah. I just can't help it. And finishes off the promo by pointing out that the next match is Saturday, so you know exactly where to go to to get more of this good stuff. Um, our next match, uh, speaking of matches with no entrances, Finley versus Brad Armstrong, and like. I don't really, especially by comparison to the last match, I don't have a, have a lot to say about it. Like, it's mechanically, it's it's fine, I, I guess. This match got boring um, chance. That's all you need to know. This is the first yeah. match I can remember ever getting boring chance. I, I think it's really, like, it wasn't the by any chance, uh, by any stretch of the imagination, the worst match we've seen in the programme. But coming after Booker versus Benoit, it needed to be a lot more to keep the mm-hmm. crowd in. Um, and Brad Armstrong definitely got more than he's probably gotten in any match we've seen so yeah, far of his. which is weird considering like the run that Finley has been on recently. Yeah. Um, Finley is looking sharp, though, and uh, wrestling quite snug, even for, for young Fit Finley. Um, eventually, Brad Royal, uh, roils Finley up enough that he kind of rallies at him, just hits the tombstone, and that's it, really. Um, uh, I, 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 I did worry that Brad was a bit, bit big to be taking the tombstone yeah. so it looked like his head was going to duck a bit lower than it should have yeah. but uh, it's he's a strong boy to hold, to hold him up mm. like that Um, we go back to Nitro and it's Savage and Piper drama still they're still unsure if they can trust each other and uh, Brett is out saying that Roddy knew exactly about the pay-per-view interference and Roddy told Brett that Savage would fall for it um, so yeah more more on this and just like I, I, I don't care about this at all yeah I, it's, it's hard to give a fuck isn't it like, like yeah because it was the most hokey shit in the world on the pay-per-view and just like there's more interesting things going on in this company at the time that I don't really have the have time for this shit you know like, what I mean especially because like Brett doesn't exactly come off like the evil calculating mastermind that I think he thinks he does well, I mean, he's Hulk Hogan's young boy, so, I mean, who's yeah. going to respect him? Uh, yeah, true. Uh, <laughs> next, we have uh, Barry Darso versus Perry Saturn. Uh, this was, I, I guess, fine. Like, it was just Saturn kind of throwing Barry Darso around for a while. Um, um, I, I thought this was going to be, like, a fun Saturn squash. Barry Darso got yeah. way too much offense. He hit an unreal-looking shoulder breaker. He did, like he proper looked like he fucked Saturn up with the shoulder breaker but why, is, and then why, tro- why is he getting offense he shouldn't be getting offense against yeah, Saturn no no he shouldn't yeah Saturn's supposed to be a fucking killer uh, Barry Darso attempts to lock in a submission called the barely legal nope yeah that's <laughs> nope. a big nope in uh, 2019 nope and I'm pretty sure it should have been a big nope in 1998 as well mm-hmm. um Saturn gets the ropes, recovers, hits a standing sidekick, Death Valley Driver, three count, because until he hit that standing sidekick, I had forgotten exactly what that Glacier feud was about, and now I remember. It's about who invented the super kick. Yes, was it the standing sidekick or the cryonic kick? We we shall find out in due course, I guess. Um, speaking of squash matches, this is the one Lee alluded to earlier in the evening, Barry Horowitz versus Goldberg. I lost my shit for Barry Horowitz. 
you want to talk about Hall of Fame jobbers. I could not believe that Barry Horowitz, like Barry Horowitz, that's a fucking WWF jobber. Like, what's he yeah. doing at WCW? <laughs> a man who was basically over as a jobber in WWF. So over as a jobber, they had to give him a push. Yeah, <laughs> incredible. Um, I think there is. Is there a YouTube video essay up on Barry Horowitz? Is there? I think there is. I think there is. By that guy. Hold on, I'll look it up while we're talking. Talk us through this this Goldberg match for all the length of time it feckin' lasts. So, obviously, we get the, the this is the real Goldberg entrance. He's in the pyro, he's blowing the smoke out of his nose. This is, like, the Goldberg you all love. Um, he gets into the ring, and Horowitz rushes him. And out of the corner of his eye, Goldberg sees him coming. Just big boo. Throws him into the ropes, does that awesome pick-up, like, um, power slam. That puts Davey Boy to Smith, Davey Boy Smith to shame. He then sends Horowitz back to the ropes again, runs at him, fucking murders him with a spear. Jackhammer, it's over, 92-0. And I loved, fucking adored Bobby Heenan shrieking on the impact of the Jackhammer. Yeah. Bobby Heenan loves him some Goldberg. Yeah. Oh, it, it yeah, it was truly special, and like you say, it is kind of right. Goldberg has now arrived, the fully formed Goldberg from your your nineties mm. childhood memories. This this is it. He's pretty much the complete package now. Um, yeah, it's 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 good stuff. Uh, I was a big fan of this from the moment Barry Horowitz came out. Uh, to uh, I think this was like the most perfect segment we've had on Thunder. I I yeah, can find no like, fault in, in this. In, in terms of the goal it tried to go for and, and hit it. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, okay. So, I misremembered it. There is a video essay. I, I remember there was a video essay on jobbers and I got... <laughs> I knew there was something on YouTube I'd seen with Barry Horowitz and I got the two conflated with each other. There's a song about Barry Horowitz. A song? Yeah, by Action Bronson. <laughs> Jesus, Okay. Yeah, literally called Barry Horowitz, uh, starting off with his opponent from St. Petersburg, Florida, 231 pounds, Barry Horowitz. <laughs> Brilliant. I'm going to listen to that yeah. after we finish recording. Yeah, yeah. There you go. Um, the more you know, eh? Um, but yeah, no, this is this is great stuff from Goldberg. It was no longer than it needed to be. I love Bobby the Brain Heenan referring to him as H.H. H. Horowitz and Tony bites him and says, what does H.H. H. mean? He goes, heaven help Horowitz. <laughs> like I say, this stuff. was a good night for Bobby. Yeah, but a poor night for main event segments because the main event was just fucking talking. Brett is back. Oh, good. But now he's here with the, the Holly, NWO Hollywood. Uh, but not Hogan, who they had alerted us earlier in the night, is off making a film, which I think might be that Three Ninjas film. Um, Ooh, interesting. Brett, Brett says the only person Sting can trust is him, which makes absolutely no fucking sense, the way he's been acting the past month, and the organisation that he's joined, being the one that Sting has been after for a year and a half mm-hmm. uh, at this point. Uh, he claims no one in the back respects Sting, this would be Sting, the saviour of WCW that absolutely everyone loves, correct? Yeah, but I mean, Brett's a heel. Yeah, yeah. And thus, stupid. Stretching the truth. Yeah, uh, none of this makes any sense to me. I'm hating it. Uh, then the Wolfpack comes out, so we get to hear that music again. And, like, the commentators, the first time they came out, the commentators put over huge that it was the new theme music. 
and I didn't think much more of it except that maybe they were big fans of it but like clearly they must have spent a lot of money on this music because when the Wolfpack comes out again they put the music over just as big as the first time they do um, just go back to that Brett, Brett promo um, must we <laughs> <laughs> I actually thought it was Brett's best promo I'm I was, I was, it's not a high fucking bar I was shocked at myself I kind of sat there going that's actually not bad he actually seemed fired up I don't know what happened between the yeah. opening segment and this segment but Brett seems to have bought into the storyline slightly yeah I mean so I guess in terms of delivery this is much better mm-hmm. than the NyQuil promo from earlier in the night for sure but just in I think this time I was more focused on the content and the content was a fucking logical shambles oh it was but he also calls Kevin Ash uh, well he calls the Wolfpack Clowns Scum of the Earth Nash and Washed Up yeah. Savage yeah then, it was real like and then Donald he, Trump he also, sort of insults yeah it was like they're, they're the not great f- insults but you're kind of like yeah. he repeats them enough times during this that you're kind of like and he actually believes this <laughs> Might as well have called him like the failing Kevin Nash or something like that. But uh, yeah, so the wolf pack is out here now and it feels like there's like two groups of lads trying to woo the prettiest girl at the dance. Um, and like, to be fair, the commentary does put over the wolf pack theme again, but it is a banger. It is worth mm-hmm. talking about as much as possible, especially on a show like this where there's not much else to savor. Uh, there's basically a back and forth between the two groups. And I feel like the way the wolf pack is hanging out on the stage is like some shit out of West Side Story. <laughs> Where they're like leaning against shit and they may as well be like doing the click of the fingers or swinging a chain or something like that. But there's a back and forth that's that's essentially boils down to no, he needs to love me. Uh, uh, Before Nash kind of is finally sick of it and he sends the wolf pack to attack Hollywood and pretty much immediately as the two groups make contact. The thing you'd been hoping for since the wolf pack formed of NWO on NWO violence, we get Tony going, fans, we're out of time. And the show, gone. the show just ends. You get like, I'd say, what, 10 seconds of a brawl yeah. and then it's just like, gone. Show ends. Gone. Classic Shivani. And I, Classic I have to WCW. say, I liked it. I, I kind of yeah. liked the end of To me, I'm like, either they shouldn't have touched or they needed to give us more brawl. It was like quite unsatisfying that they didn't just kind of See, let them go at it or at least tease, you know, we're going to get you. I thought it was just enough. But again, I yeah. won't be watching Nitro, so God knows yeah. what we're going to open with until their next week. Yeah, I, I think if you'd done the thing where like they go to attack them, and maybe the, like Doug Dillinger and the line of security goes to fucking separate them, and like maybe the Wolfpack like lays out the security while Hollywood Scarper and you hold off on that big kind of gang war thing uh, for a while. Um, to me, just thinking long term, which I know is antithetical to WCW, mm. but thinking long term, I would, if I were booking it, I would want to hold off on the contact for a little while at least. But yeah, what can you do? I suppose, like at least it was a hot way to end the show compared to some of the shit we'd had to put up with. Uh, <laughs> Lee, that is the end of uh, Thunder episode eighteen. I want you to give me your winners and losers on this show. Uh, winner, I. The winner is Goldberg. I mean that that whole segment was just fucking perfect. Um, loser, I suppose all of us were having to watch that awful uh, high voltage bulldog and anvil match. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. But if I had to pick just one person, uh, I don't know, Jim Powers. <laughs> yeah. Um, my winners I had uh, the Wolfpack team was the big winner of the day it was put over as a bigger superstar than everybody book Goldberg and the loser was the sport professional wrestling 
because it was like we were talking about this off the air it wasn't the worst thunder we've seen but it was probably the most like if I had missed this in 1998 and read the results on on, on AOL or some shit I probably would like ah you know I'm not too mad about missing that it's the most missable of the 18 thunders so far I think yeah that, I think that's fairly fair like nothing really progresses all that much yeah and that's that's kind of like it's that kind of it's that kind of lack of movement that kind of makes Thunder feel kind of unimportant. Yeah, yeah. But, I mean, we're, we're not watching it because it's important. We're watching it to um, discover some... Because we hate ourselves. Well, that as well. But I was going to say to discover yeah. some hidden gems. Yeah. Um, that's certainly what we'll tell ourselves as we cry ourselves to sleep. And, and um, drink just, a lot, obviously. Yeah. Our last bit of business to look at the, uh, the Thunder finish counter for this evening. Seven matches... Five clean uh, finishes, one DQ and one interference leading directly to a finish. So not not too bad here. They've done all right. Oh, uh, bef- before we go, we'll bring up something that we haven't actually talked about in a while. The right. uh, Nick Lambros Memorial Shield. Oh yes, how's that going? <laughs> Have you forgotten all about your fantasy team? Uh, I forgot. No, I I haven't. Well, this week I did. Um, but I had get I had been getting back on the wagon for a while, but I completely forgot that we were we said we were going to start updating the the Thunder Buddies uh, every so often. Yeah. But uh, how are things going at the moment? Well, run, run us. Do you have the league in front? I of do you? have the league in front of me. I'm doing awful. How many people are in the league at the There's moment? Twenty seven in the league. Okay, so give me our relegation zone, our bottom three, and uh, give me our top three. And if if we are in neither, tell us where okay. the two of us are. Uh, our bottom three at the moment are in 27th and bottom spot is Gary O'Donoghue and the Belfield Bottlers with 500... Bottled it they have, sir. 521 <laughs> points. It's a very apt name. Uh, <laughs> second bottom, we have Dookie's Diamonds. Thomas Rose is the owner of this collection of obviously not very good footballers. And uh, they're on 537, so they're a handful of points clear. And in third bottom... It's Alan King, who is eighteen seventy eight Newton Heat, which is our friend Alan, that goes to OTT. Yeah. Obviously, Gary as well is a regular attendee of OTT. Um, but yeah, Alan is uh, toward bottom with five five six, and I'll mention I am just above. I'm on twenty toward spot, with hovering above the drop zone. I, I am the Newcastle of the league, apparently. Uh, I'm just with five eighty three, so I'm not really that far ahead. So I'm in trouble. Yeah. Before we get to the top of the league, sitting in ninth place, it's one Dave Ryan. With wait, I'll say that. Is that I again? said sitting in ninth position, it's yourself. Woof. It's uh, six hundred and seventy six hundred and seventy five points for you. That's not bad. You're firmly mid table. I mean, you can't complain about that. I'll take that. So our top three. Do you want me to go one to three, or do you want me to go three two one? Three two one. In third position, you're not going to like this one. Okay. It's friend of the show, Jack Lazell. Oh. With his Gerud Awakening. Okay. 712 points. Right. In second position, it's another friend of the show. Oh. It's Blaine. They're all friends. They're all Thunder Buddies, Thunder Buddies and friends, obviously. It's uh, Blaine Kyo. Ooh. With his FC Dynamo Moss Kyo. That, that's a bad name. <laughs> 747 Lee, points Lee is shooting <laughs> and in fourth position 
we have Gary Watson with his Gartatron collection. I don't know. So, 783 points is the top position in the league. So, he is in pole position to receive our wonderful prize at the end of the year. You should say, or at the it, end of the season. It's only 13 game weeks gone, so there's still a lot of time remaining. Yeah. So, there's yeah, still plenty of time for people to make a comeback, except maybe Me. you and Gary <laughs> and Alan. <laughs> um yeah cool uh yeah we'll we'll try and update every so often about that we'll be announcing in the new year what our prizes are going to be because uh, we have to get them because <laughs> we are so ill prepared but uh yeah look th- that's going to do it for another episode of days of thunder thank you very much for tuning in we shall see you in two weeks at wcw thunder pod is the twitter individually i'm at the day to dave and lee is at malone underscore 713 please check out the pwo podcasting network pro wrestling only they provide many many wonderful programs for your listening enjoyment um not all of whom bury lee for the way he pronounces beers but some do um yeah, it's a, it's a <laughs> it's a fine network that you should subs- you should subscribe to and listen to to ourselves over and over again to get those clicks up. We'll do anything for a bit of attention, and uh, yeah, to listen to the many other fine offerings. So yeah, stay subscribed to us on Twitter and your podcast platform of preference. We shall see you in two weeks uh, as we start trundling in towards the middle of summer, while we ourselves are trundling towards Christmas. That should not be weird at all for us. Uh, we'll see you in two weeks. Exactly, yeah. We'll see you in two weeks with another episode of Days of Thunder. See ya. I can see through the scars inside you. I can feel the thunder that's breaking in your heart. I can see through the scars inside you.